Welcome to the Impact Multiplier CEO Podcast. If you're a chief executive, or if you think like one, and you want to create exponentially greater impact, then this show is for you. My name is Richard Medcalf, founder of X-Quadrant. I coach some of the most successful and impressive CEOs and executive teams on the planet and help them achieve extraordinary results. And no matter how successful you've been in the past, there's always a whole new level of impact available to you. So if you're ready to play a bigger game than ever before, I invite you to join us and become an Impact Multiplier CEO. Gurjod Pal Singh is the Chief Executive of Tide in India. Tide is the number one SME-focused challenger bank uh, in the UK, has a large market share there, and India has now become its second market, as well as being a major development center for the bank's platforms. Gurjod Pal joined uh, just a year ago, and he's overseeing what's going to amount to a 3x or 4x uh, increase in this number of employees in just a couple of years. So real growth in the organization, lots of complexity and very high stakes because it's really following in the footsteps of a very high profile and successful UK operations. In this conversation, Gurjod Pal and, and I get into the importance of mental rhythm. How do you extract yourself from all the demands as CEO on your time? How do you set up clear boundaries to manage those demands and to actually be able to show up on a Monday morning full of energy and creativity? And an executive team is a huge accelerator, but if you get it wrong, it can be a huge drain on time and attention. So what's the question that he asked himself as he recruited and sold to, in many ways, uh, his executive team to bring them on board? This is a great conversation. Enjoy it. Gurjad Pal Singh of Tide, India. Hi, Gurjad, and welcome to the program. Thank you, Richard, for having me. Uh, pleasure to be here. Well, yeah, it's, it's, it's my pleasure. You are uh, the CEO of Tide, uh, India, and I know that it's the second biggest market for what's a really interesting and fast-growing financial services company. Um, you've got... 300 people, I think you said, growing to 1,000 in just about 18 months, probably. So you've seen this tremendous growth, right? Three times growth in organizational complexity. I'm sure it's already changed vastly from when you joined, um, you know, just um, a year or so ago. And so I'm really looking forward to getting in to what's it like to step up into the CEO role of such a fast growing uh, and quite high profile company. So thanks for uh, taking the time to explore this with me. Excellent. I, I look forward to the to the discussion, and uh, it's it's been uh, uh, a challenging uh, you know transition, uh, but uh, you know something that that I have uh, enjoyed through, and yeah. uh, somewhere the the pandemic has uh, you know taken the level of complexity for everybody uh, you know all of us right yes um, up up a notch. So from that standpoint, I think it's it's been uh, it's been an amazing journey, but. Uh, 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 you know, a challenging one. Uh, well, so let's so let's dive in. We're going to look at your this CEO learning curve, right, as I call it, mm-hmm. what you've discovered over the first year or two. Year or two. So, why don't we just start at back at um, 
you know, when did you join? So first of all, let's just tell everybody what is Tide, make, make sure we all understand that. And then um, when did you join? And kind of what were you doing before that that kind of helped you secure the CEO role, right? Why were you a great fit for this particular company in this particular time? I think it's really interesting because for people who want to aspire to that CEO role, it's really helpful, I think, to understand you know, what do I want to have in my portfolio? What skills do I need to be seen as a really credible candidate? Absolutely. So, um, you know, Tide is a SME-focused challenger bank. Uh, we, um, you know, our market leaders in the UK having uh, uh, around 6% market share. And uh, India, um, you know, is our second market where we are expanding into. We focus on serving SMEs and we aspire to serve uh, around 25% of SMEs globally. Uh, and uh, India, uh, you know, um, as a market, uh, you know, has around 64 million SMEs, uh, which is 10% of the SMEs in the world. Mm. So from that standpoint, you know, India is a very interesting and important market for us. Uh, we started out, uh, you know, in India early 2020, um, you know, and we started out with building a development center out of India. Uh, which was based out of Hyderabad. And we, uh, our plan was to start with India business uh, early 2020, but, you know, pandemic hit, which right. pushed out our plans a bit. Um, and I joined early 2021, um, you know, uh, January 21. Uh, I've been in this role for a year and, uh, you know, over two years of pandemic, we, our team has, uh, you know, grown to a size of 300 uh, we have, uh, you know, a development center in India, which builds out uh, our global product mm. stack. And now we have uh, early stage uh, business in India, which uh, focuses on SMEs. Right. Uh, now, personally, uh, you know, my background and what, what helped me uh, uh, get this opportunity uh, uh, is, uh, you know, I, I, as I was discussing with you, um, you know, I've spent uh, close to 13 years uh, in financial services and fintech. Uh, so the roles, uh, you know, that I started out uh, early in my career were in financial services and were focusing on use of technology in financial services. And, uh, you know, by education, uh, you know, I'm a computer science engineer and then I did uh, my MBA. Uh, mm-hmm. So I think this was the right educational combination for me. And I was fortunate to work in organizations where uh, there was a lot of focus on technology uh, to solve for a bunch of issues in, in, in financial services. Uh, right. So that, that helped. And prior to, um, you know, Tide, I spent uh, around seven and a half years at uh, PayU, uh, which is a NASPERS uh, organization. It is uh, the largest uh, 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 payment service provider, uh, you know, in, in India, in e-commerce mm-hmm. segment. And, uh, uh, you know, here I um, uh, built a business focused on SMEs from scratch uh, and scaled it up uh, to, to um, you know, a thriving, uh, profitable, successful business. And post that, I did a bunch of other things, things that pay you NASPERS. Um, I think these, uh, the, the, uh, these roles had a lot of... Uh, you know, entrepreneurial element to it, right? I right. I had the opportunity to build things, teams, products from scratch. Uh, and I think that prepped me up uh, for the role. 
And as such, you know, NASPERS, uh, you know, has a brilliant development program. They, they really invest in people. So I was fortunate enough to get benefits mm. of that learning curve during, during my role there. So I think my professional journey essentially prepped me to, to take larger responsibility, more ownership. Mm. And, uh, you know, I think doing that day in, day out essentially helped me, uh, you know, move into um, uh, country CEO uh, role. So, yeah. Right. Yeah, I think that's it's a great point. The entrepreneurial element, right? It's something which, because there's a sense of ownership, right? When you've got to build something, you need to take that full responsibility. And I think it's that that almost characterizes chief executives, you know, because as you said, the buck stops with you, right? At some point, you know, it's your thing. You have to completely own it. Um, despite the fact there's things you can't directly control, you have to commit. And I think that's what I'm hearing in your story. So let's, so let's jump into the, the process. So um, obviously the, the business was set up in, in, in India, at least in early 2020. You joined a year later um, and started to build out, I guess, the, the business element as well, the commercial element. Uh, say it's a very big market, but it's potentially 10% of the world uh, market for you. Um, what were the biggest surprises that you discovered about being CEO? I know you had those senior roles before, but now you had this kind of large, you know, this, this growing complex organization. You had the kind of the ultimate responsibility for, for the whole, I guess, Indian P&L and everything. Um, what were the biggest surprises that you discovered? Uh, well, uh, uh, you know, uh, I think the, the biggest challenge, uh, was that I was also practically, uh, you know, uh, the first person to join the India business team as such as well. And the organization was really looking forward to launch, uh, uh, you know, into a new market, a uh, market like India. And along with that, uh, you know, uh, being a, a, a CEO, I think it brought in a lot of, uh, uh, you know, things onto my table, um, you know, which, uh, Starting out may may uh, you know uh, may be difficult for for uh, someone to handle. I think uh, you know because the buck stops with you and people, everybody wants to engage with you. I think that puts a lot of uh, crunch on on your time. And mm. uh, you know, in pandemic, we are working remotely, right? Everything happens over yeah. over calls, right? So all this uh, put together, uh, uh, you know, I think starting out this this was my biggest challenge: how to prioritize things, how to use my time more efficiently, mm. uh, you know, give it more to, to tasks which need me more, right? Uh, so setting up a, a mental rhythm and algorithm for that, I think that was, uh, that was important and challenging upfront for, for me. So tell me, about, tell me about that then. How did you, how did you do that, right? What, what, what works for you, do you find? How do you, what, what was that mental rhythm that you put into place? Hmm. Uh, well, uh, you know, one, there are two aspects to it. One is at, at a personal level, right? You, uh, uh, as, a, as a leader, you need to soak a lot in, right? Uh, you need to process a lot. Uh, and, uh, you know, you need to get into the rhythm of, of doing that. Um, so, you know, how do you uh, process that in your mind uh, during the working hours, post the working hours? How do you balance your work and life, you know, how do you mm -hmm. switch off even when you are not at work? So I think all, you know, maintaining a balance on a personal level, that that becomes very important. That's that's one. So, so, so just, just to slow you down yeah. on that, so what did you do? What did you do? How did you do that? Did you just decide, 
did you decide like what time you were going to leave work? I mean, how did you kind of turn that into reality? Yeah. Um, so, uh, you know, I think the first piece was to set up uh, clear uh, uh, time boundaries. Uh, right. Uh, yeah. That was important uh, because uh, it's it's very important to manage uh, your energy levels. All through my career, I have felt that, you know, one should look forward to going to work on a Sunday evening. If yeah. that is not happening, it's it's uh, it's a red flag. Uh, so I try and ensure that. Uh, so, you know, putting proper time, uh, uh, you know, in, in the day, then also within your calendar, marking time for your own self, you need uh, time to process strategy, you need time to work on, uh, you know, strategic vision, uh, maintaining certain relationships in the market, etc. So, yeah. you know, carve out time for that, uh, uh, you know, you think certain things, uh, you know, would happen in a shorter span of time, but they don't. Uh, yeah. So carving out that time consciously is, is very important. I, can I just throw you on that point? Because I think it's really important yeah. to capture. I was talking with a, um, a very senior executive in a global tech company just yesterday and um, a really incredible person, done a lot of things uh, around the world, uh, moved back um, to the home, his home market uh, after going around the world doing different jobs, hadn't got a network, managed to become a superstar really, really quickly, even though, you know, he was starting from scratch again in this new area, about to get a new promotion to a very senior level. And we were, you know, he actually asked me at one point, he said, you know what, like, how important is personal well-being, <laughs> right? And I kind of dived into it, because obviously that's a sign when someone asks you that question. And I think it was this whole question around, um, does career success, you know, do I need to contain, maintain this, that's unsustainable level, you know, to maintain my success. And, and I think his observation, which was really interesting with some of the world's most successful people, and I see this in my clients too, they're actually superstars at home and, you know, they're perhaps they're running a marathon as well. And they've got this incredibly successful business, right? And mm. now there's sometimes you scratch the surface and there are other things going on, but I think it's also true that these things can reinforce each other. And um, as I like to say, you know, businesses are systems, and the energy flows to the lowest denominator. It goes the easiest way, right? The system settles into its easiest state. It's like a river flowing down a hill. The river just goes where it's easy, and that's how it finds its path. And if we don't put in a barrier in our own life, then we just get overwhelmed because the river comes to us. And I think what your, your point about setting up those clear boundaries uh, about your home life, for example so that you do have that energy level and you've got, you want to go to work creative and excited and setting those boundaries within your work day around, you said, vision and relationships, they're really important. So I just want to really focus on that because that's, I think it's really key. And uh, this leader, again, he said the same thing. It's like, I'm so focused on succeeding, you know, am I actually building the relationships that I'm going to need for the next level? Because it's not the relationships that are going to succeed this quarter; it's, it's the relationships that are going to make successful next year or ne- in the next decade, right? And it's it's kind of trying to juggle those two things, which I think is the challenge. Yes, absolutely. So you know, I am firm believer that whatever got you here, doing the same thing will will not take you forward, right? Uh, um, yeah. Somewhere as a professional, you need to process that at at personal level. And I fully agree with you. I think, uh, you know, uh, as a human being, 
if if you uh, are a high ownership person at work you would be high ownership person in every aspect of your life uh, yes. be it uh, you know in your personal family space be it uh, you know with respect to your parents be it with respect to your friends uh, you know you will play a or want to play a similar role uh, so from that standpoint in all these aspects keeping a balance uh, i think that's that's a, a, a very important uh, uh, you know, mm. challenge for for uh, executives yes yeah Okay, so we we were talking about you know these surprises, and you said, well, the book stops with with me, mm-hmm. and everyone wants to engage with me, and so I need to have this mental rhythm. Um, so we've talked about boundaries um, and and setting up times in your diary. Was there anything else around around that prioritization, you know, of your day and that mental rhythm that it's worth talking about? Yeah. So uh, the the other set of piece was uh, you know to to. Um, build that set of uh, uh, team, uh, you know, around you, mm-hmm. uh, who could, uh, you know, who could do certain things as well or better than you, and then, then let them do it, right? So I think that's, that's also important. Uh, so through your career, um, you know, as uh, uh, you mentioned about uh, the, the gentleman you were talking to, right? Uh, the, uh, the thing is, you need to build relationships, you need to invest in people and you need to uh, you know mm. assist people in their growth journey uh, and those kind of people would uh, uh, you know would would stand with you in all uh, uh, all hard uh, mm. uh, challenges uh, you know of of uh, professional life right so it's it's like you know you need to have people who would go go to war with you at, yes. at your word it's richard here with a quick interlude As part of my coaching and advisory work, I often work with leaders who have recently taken on the CEO role. It's a big leap from the comfort zone of functional leadership or business unit management. And it opens up a whole new set of stakeholders, pressures, decisions, and responsibilities. I found that there are three key things that will make a huge difference in those first quarters. Number one, balancing the operational and the strategic, what I call CEO focus. Number two, establishing credibility, what I call CEO presence. And number three, managing stakeholders, those CEO conversations. I've written a short email series that goes into more detail on the transition to CEO and how you can practically sharpen your CEO focus, solidify your CEO presence and master your CEO conversations. It's insightful. And it's entirely free of charge. And you can register for it by going to xquadrant.com forward slash go forward slash curve. Now, back to the conversation. Right. Um, yeah. Yeah, I, I love that. So let me ask you, what's what did you have to do differently to do that, say, in the CEO role, right? Was there something... You know, a particular thing that you had to work on in order to do that, or perhaps was there something you found different trying to build hmm. that team when you're the CEO versus trying to build a team when you were lower down in an organization? Hmm. Yeah. So, uh, you know, building the team out, the, the kind of, uh, uh, you know, characteristics you're looking at uh, and the kind of people you are looking at. Uh, so I think that that becomes important. And at times, uh, uh, you know, uh, there could be uh, challenges in, in terms of when they can join, 
or uh, you know getting to the right person right so all all those challenges uh, come but i think as a ceo when you are recruiting your team uh, a, a wrong uh, hire uh, you know could set you back so you need to have that patience uh, and you need to invest into that process you, because you would have so many things going right you need mm. to invest into the process and you know when you are starting something new in the market uh, uh, that investment goes a notch higher uh, you also need to convince the person to join you to uh, you need to sell your plan and vision to 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 that uh, yeah. team right because those people are also performers in their own right uh, now how does your story fit into their story of growth i think that's yeah. important that needs time investment energy and i think you know i prioritize that to build out uh, you know a team uh, around me which uh, you know yeah. which which typically would have then three parts there'll be some people existing in the organization who would uh, you know who would come around you uh, the other is you know some people who you have worked in the past with and you know who uh, yes uh, you again get an opportunity to work with and third is you also get some people from the external ecosystem which uh, you know help you make things more diverse and uh, you know you bring people from different organizations different backgrounds as well uh, yeah. so i think building this strong team prioritizing building of this this team uh, i think that's that's uh, uh, that's important uh, mm. for an executive otherwise it's it's difficult to stay afloat you yes. cannot be doing everything uh, yourself uh, and you know i think as a leader you need to have people who could do things uh, in a specific area i would say better than you mm. as a leader you you could do things in multiple areas at a level of competence but uh, you know have the patience and guts to bring in people mm. who who know much much more than you in a specific area for example you know if you are hiring somebody uh, on the legal side of things right you need to be able to gauge and bring in a person who who would be much much better in that area and really you know align that person to yourself uh, also motivate him learn from him and be able to add value so so if you were to look back at this journey over the last year or so uh, in the role what would your what would your top tip be for for a new ceo or perhaps should we say you know what's the one trap that you would recommend that a new ceo watch out for you know and avoid at all costs uh well don't try to do everything yourself if your days are stretching to uh 12 15 hours there's a red flag mm. uh you know take a step back uh look at the larger picture uh you know um going uh very deep into everything uh may mm. not be humanly possible so accept uh accept that uh you know uh mortality or uh yeah uh, you know about human limitations and... yeah how acceptable human limitations i it's a really good yes, point yes. often ceos get a lot of accolade and acclaim and, and you can start to believe your own you know superhero nature right like don't worry everybody i'm here i'm going to solve all the problems and that actually is not scalable you know this podcast is all about multiplying your impact and as i said to one of my clients just the other day who wants to do some big things i'm like you know you want to add, this is a client he said you know he wants to add a billion dollars of revenues 
in the next um, three years to his business, right? Um, <clears throat> which is an acceleration, which is really phenomenal. And so I said, look, you know, th- no matter how amazing you are, and he's a very high performer, it's like one high performer with a load of followers can, can't do this. You know, it's not you, no matter how good you are, you will not be able to do it. You need to multiply your impact. You know, you need, you need to mobilize everybody for this mission. And that's your focus, right? And so there's a level when you can kind of do things, as you said, by yourself, kind of with people helping you. And then there's a level where you have to kind of completely release this energy of, of everybody else uh, and not be the Superman or the Superwoman. So I think that's a great point. Let's, let's kind of move on because I'm just aware of time. We'll go into a little quick, quick fire question um, round. Um, so just some quick responses really to a, a few uh, interesting um, favorites. So what's your favorite quote or saying? Well, it has to be that Rome was not built in a day. So you, you need to take time to build something great. Love it. And what about a favorite um, app that you use, you know, on your phone that really helps you in your role? Well, uh, uh, you know, uh, not specifically in my in my role, but in in our life, uh, you you use a bunch of apps, but the ones I find most relevant are, uh, you know, might be a little old school, but you know, Google Apps, uh, a WhatsApp, and a Uber. I think these three, mm-hmm. uh, you know, have been there for a while, but they are still relevant today because they keep solving the problem to next level and then, uh, you know, add a lot of value. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Thank you. Okay, what about a book? What's a book that's really influenced you as a person or as a leader? Yeah, so uh, there's this book um, by Morgan Housel called The Psychology of Money, uh, right? So it's, it's a sharp book, helps you think very differently uh, about not just investing money, but it's, it talks a lot about managing your time, your well-being, uh, you know, in general, it's, it's I think, a, a very good philosophy uh, to read and a good perspective to, to uh, you know, lead your life. So this is a, a book I've read multiple times. I, I go back to it once in a, in a while. Fantastic. I will put that into the show notes. What about, um, what advice would you give your 20-year-old self? Well, be persistent, uh, keep at it, uh, uh, you know, uh, keep trying and uh, you, you will find a way to, to where you want to be. Yeah, great, great, great message. And um, the last little quick fire question is, you know, who's an impactful CEO who's, um, you know, made a difference perhaps in your life or who inspires you? you know, who would be a great guest, if you like, for a future episode on this podcast? And, and what do you admire about them? Hmm. Well, one would be uh, Tide Global uh, CEO, um, Mr. Oliver Prill. So he's, he's somebody who's, uh, who, who I look up to and uh, the kind of vision and leadership that he, he sets. Uh, the other would be my mentor from my PayU days, uh, uh, you know, uh, Mr. Anirban Mukherjee. Uh, so he's a mentor I look up to and uh, uh, you know a visionary and I, I really look up to his his leadership style as well yeah it's great it's you know these people as a as a senior leader you know you have an impact in people's lives right and it, and it does mm. stay with people as you, you said yourself you know it, it it makes a difference to your own journey um, and uh, you know as as in in my own journey as well right uh, it's uh, 
the impact is uh, is also uh, subconscious right just by observing these people just by observing their styles right you might not be meeting or working with them day in and day out uh, but you know you you learn and you have that that impact and with that translates the responsibility on to you as as you become a senior leader uh, i think one should be conscious of the fact that there are a bunch of uh people in the team in the ecosystem who are looking up to you and and learning from you uh, so i think that's that's a really good way for i feel that it's a really good way to give back uh um, in the same terms as uh, i have got from bunch of mentors through, throughout my my career yeah i was talking about that yesterday with um with a friend yeah, this point of imitation you know it's who do you surround yourself with who you observe mm-hmm. learn from and get inspired by um it's one of the reasons i have a ceo community right i've created a ceo community of high level tech leaders because these people often they don't have other people around them who are playing a bigger game than them who are inspiring them um and sparks fly right you create amazing things when you have people in the room and you know you're not the smartest person in the room right you're not the most experienced leader in the room and you actually have other people around you to learn from and to observe and to challenge your thinking so i think that point of just the osmosis of being in the same room as people who are doing things differently and thinking differently is essential for anyone who wants to and, multiply their impact yeah and and a very indian thing or or a eastern philosophy thing uh, i think uh, it it helps you stay humble uh and i think that's that's very important keeping your feet on the ground i think that's that's very important um yes. uh, you know it's getting uh, to to a point uh, in your career or getting success is is one hard piece but uh, yeah. you know keeping your feet on ground and and keeping uh, progress from there i think that's a challenge most of us us uh, have to yeah. face yeah for sure so let's let's move on um Let's just look quickly look to the future before we wrap up. Um, no matter how much we've achieved, there's always a next level to get to. So what's the next level for Tide in India as a business? Where do you go from here? Uh, well, we look, uh, to, uh, you know, we look forward to add value to uh, a few million uh, SMEs in, in India over the next three years. Uh, that's, that's what we aspire to, uh, aspire to do. uh personally you know my aspiration of being in fintech uh you know is uh, that it enables you to take financial services to a much larger set of users much larger set of population and within this right uh, i think micro and small enterprises they are one segment which have been really underserved by the traditional uh, you know financial ecosystem Yeah. and there was one of my aspirations or reasons to uh, take up this role with tide uh, because of the potential impact it would have on this segment and in turn uh, you know uh, the impact on society and economy as such uh, you know micro and small enterprises uh, are are the backbone of of indian economy i think adding value there uh, yeah. it brings a lot of uh, professional satisfaction and and gratification to to me uh, personally Yeah that's that's lovely. So I love it. You're growing this thing, you're expanding the base of financial services, adding this SMEs in, these micro companies. What are you going to need to do differently in the years ahead or in the months ahead to continue to scale and multiply your own impact? What's the stretch, the growth area for you would you say? Well, I think the challenge is uh, to keep the focus on on the segment, right? 
in, um, you know, in fintech when you are distributing digitally, uh, it's very easy, uh, you know, to, to move into different areas, right? Uh, but essentially what it does, uh, you know, it, it uh, creates the lack of focus. You need to focus on a category. So as an organization, I think what we have done really well is we have kept the focus on solving the problem for a small and micro enterprise. And, uh, uh, you know, a bunch of, I think other players started with that category or came into that category, but they were looking at a more wider set of users. And then, you know, you, you tend to uh, ignore deeper problems. So I think that's one challenge for us as an organization to keep the focus on, on enterprises mm-hmm. and keep solving for them and bring more value to them. I think, you know, once you solve uh, or bring value to them, uh, the kind of growth, uh, you know, not just in India or UK, in other markets as well. I think we could we could achieve uh, much, much or continue to achieve the kind of growth that we, we have done in the past. Mm. So let me, I'm going to push you a little bit harder. I think it's great. It's a good point because focus and, and not getting diluted across multiple segments, mm. I think is is really interesting point. Um, but as you grow the company from 300 in India to over a thousand and you may try to maintain mm. that focus and you grow your customer base, so what do you think, what's going to shift in your behaviors, for example? What might you need to be doing differently in a year's time or two years time compared with what you're doing today as CEO? Uh, excellent. So, um, you know, uh, one, uh, uh, I believe what we have been solving for, right? We are a new player in the market. Uh, today, we've been trying to solve hard for, uh, you know, uh, putting our proposition together and positioning us as a, as a brand in the market, mm-hmm. be it an employer brand, be it a employer, uh, you know, a brand for, from a FinTech standpoint, right. because in FinTech, you need to work with a bunch of partners in the ecosystem, right? And Indeed. you need to have a level of, um, uh, you know, because it's, it's a matter of trust, right? Mm-hmm. People, uh, you're dealing with people's money. So that, that becomes very important. I think, you know, as we grow from a 300 people to a thousand people company and, you know, as we uh, have more users in the market, I think this, uh, you know, problem would, would get solved. And then we would have to, uh, you know, focus on living up to what we have promised uh, in terms of proposition and brand. I think we need to uh, solve for m- more specific uh, uh, pain points uh, from a SME standpoint. Uh, so in India, right, specifically in India market, and problems of SMEs globally are, are pretty similar, but mm. there are a lot of pain points that, uh, you know, we need to solve in terms of compliance, taxation, you know, collections, helping right. people uh, paid for their business, and also on, uh, on, on working capital, credit for, uh, mm. you know, uh, formal credit for micro and small enterprises. So I think all these okay. pieces uh, we need to, uh, you know, focus on and bring more value to, uh, to SMEs. So that's that's how I see uh, this shift or, or change. Yeah, that's really, really helpful. Thank you for that. The the shift uh, in what, what are you solving for? A really interesting way of looking at it. So final question, if people want to find out more about you or about Tide, you know, how do they do that? Uh, so, uh, you know, please come to Tide.co and, uh, you know, follow us, write to us on LinkedIn, Twitter or Insta. Uh, uh, you know, uh, we uh, do a lot of work with our our members. Uh, you know, the SMEs that we serve, we call that them members because they are 
members of, of our group. And, uh, you know, we are an organization which has our members as our brand ambassadors. All our, uh, you know, campaigns, video uh, and other marketing campaigns, we, uh, you know, get our real members, uh, you know, as our stars. And, uh, you know, if you are SME or if you are somebody working in fintech, uh, you know, do, um, do write to us or follow us on, on LinkedIn, Insta and Twitter. And you would, uh, uh, you know, really get some uh, decent insights into uh, micro and small enterprise space. Hey, good job. It's been great to speak with you today. Thank you so much for sharing these insights. Uh, it sounds like you're in a really interesting position as the company grows and expands and enters this new market. So thanks again for sharing your insights about the CEO learning curve. Likewise, uh, amazing discussion. And thank you, Richard, for, for hosting me. You're welcome. I hope you enjoyed this conversation. Now let's talk about you. When you're in top leadership, when you're in the biggest role of your career, who supports you at a deep level as you lead others? Who helps you multiply your impact and get to the next level? If you're ready to learn more about our content, our coaching, and our community, then visit us at xquadrant.com.